Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of John, John chapter 11, verse uh, 33 we're going to look at in a very familiar passage of Scripture. I think that the Lord is, uh, is directing us today in a very unique uh, path, and so we're going to follow that as we uh, approach the table of the Lord. This passage is in a very familiar setting to all of us, the story of Lazarus, the friend of Jesus. He and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were, um, were very endeared to the Lord. Of course, God loves everybody, but the Bible really speaks about how much Jesus loved them. And um, you know this story if you've been in any way part of a, a student of the Scripture over the years. Um, it was a joke this morning about uh, uh, verse 35 there, Jesus wept, which is the favorite of children who were having to memorize verses of Scripture. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and, and um, some kids like long passages, but there was always a clamoring to see who could get John 11:35. Jesus wept. You've memorized your Scripture. Not that any of you would do that, but I, I remember doing that. Um, but this, this passage is, is really um, culminating in a word for all of us today. And, um, and particularly what Jesus said, what, what happened there in John eleven thirty three. When Jesus therefore saw Mary weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Heavenly Father, we ask you that your word would find its place within our hearts and that we would respond in the way that you um, would be pleased with our responding. We ask a blessing upon every person gathered here and those that are joining with us online. And we ask that you would do the work that you've ordained for this moment in our lives for the sake of the kingdom. And we thank you for it, Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This story is a very unique one in that we see Jesus doing things in the way that he was not known for doing. A messenger came to where he and his disciples were, stating that your friend Lazarus is dying, and you better hurry up and get here. And at that point, Jesus said, this sickness is not to death, but it is for the glory of the Lord. And then he did an unprecedented thing in that he waited, and he waited, and he waited. And even his disciples said, Lord, aren't you troubled? You know, why aren't we, why aren't we going? We need, to, we need to get going. You got the word that your, your friend is, is dying. And Jesus seemed to be in no hurry at all to get to this place. And when they finally are directed that it's time to go and he arrives, of course, you, you can read this. You know this story. There's 35 verses that we could read. And we love the word of the Lord. But he is met by Martha and she said, Lord, one of Lazarus' sisters, if you'd have been here, you know, and my brother's dead. There was that discussion. Mary then comes and says, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would still be alive. 
And as he sees her weeping and he sees, hears the paid mourners weeping, the Bible says that, as we just read, he groaned in spirit and was troubled. What does that mean for you? Because to me, I think that this is the key component of this entire episode, and we need to see it because it applies to our lives. A lot of people will focus on the resurrection of Lazarus, and that is a profound thing that happened. A lot of people will, you know, pinpoint various factors here, but this verse speaks key ingredients that we all need to recognize in our lives even today. The first is what we all recognize is that every one of us has been given life from God. There is a component of the Spirit of God within each of us. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, he gave up his spirit into God's hands. He commended his spirit. And the Bible says that that is something that every human being will do when it's time for them to say goodbye to this earth. They give up the spirit. They give it back to God. But we know that the only way that uh, we really find the fulfillment of that spirit is when we give our lives to the Lord, we believe in Him, we accept Him as our Lord and our Savior, and we're born again in spirit. And that means that whatever God put us on this earth to do is now activated. Whatever He envisioned before the foundation of the world for each one of us, which the Bible says that happened, He knew us before the foundation of the world. When we were in our mother's womb, He knew us. We all have an identity before the Lord, and it is up to us to come into alignment with that identity. Millions of people live and die without fulfilling that identity that God has given them. And that, to me, is indicated by that deposit of the Spirit that gives us life that's within each of us. Jesus had a unique responsibility, fully man, fully God. He came to fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father. And we know that he was, he was intent upon sacrificing himself so that, that mankind who believes on him could be brought into right relationship with God. And so that part of the Lord's Spirit was, was filled with lots of different obligations, as it were. Uh, of how, how he was going to fulfill the will of the Father, how he was going to fulfill the purpose of the Father who sent him. Over and over again, we see him reference that. When somebody would say, will you at this time do this? Or why don't you do this? And he said, don't you know that I've come to do the will of the one who sent me? We see that over and over again in Jesus' life. And I would bring forth to you that every one of us should be saying that. You should say it to yourself. Do you not know that I need to fulfill the one who has given me life? I need to fulfill the will of the one who sent me. I need to be about my Father's business. And that's indicated by what Jesus is referring to here when, he, when there was a groaning in his spirit. In this whole episode, there was something that God wanted to do. 
through this thing. And there are many aspects that are, that are declared here. There are many things that, were, that Jesus had a responsibility to bring before his people, not just the resurrection of the dead. That's an amazing one. How do you top that? But it was, do you believe in me? Do you trust my timing? Are you focused on the things that your eyes see in the natural? Or do you believe? Do you believe that God is doing something beyond the natural sight? Those and many others are factors that are displayed here for those who followed him. Do you believe what he said at the very beginning of this episode? This sickness is not unto death, but so that the glory of God can be known. Do you believe that? Or when circumstances come, do you go haywire and and go out of bounds? This is a lesson for us. When Jesus groaned in spirit, all of those factors were playing out in front of him. Think about it. You had, you had these two sisters who were grieving, and they had a lot of questions as to why Jesus delayed his coming. You had his friend Lazarus who was sick, and he died. And he must have suffered pain and at the very least discomfort, and he was gone. You had his disciples that were questioning every move he made and then wondering all along. You remember what they were thinking at this point when they got there and this man that they all knew was dead? You think they had any questions or any second-guessing? Anybody who's been in leadership has been second-guessed. <laughs> Sometimes, many times we second-guess ourselves. But if things don't go the way you've said they're going to go, there are a lot of people who are around to say, see, I told you, see, didn't we warn you? See, you should have listened to me. All of those things are there. And there are a lot of factors. You had religious people there, paid mourners who are, who are just not doing anything proactive. I mean, there were, there were legal ramifications in the Jewish community for how many mourners you had to have, how much, how much time they had to be there, you know, how they were going to orchestrate the atmosphere. And so that's going on. All these things, I think if you and I had been there, we'd have been doing some groaning too. But this was groaning in spirit. This was not groaning in the mind. This was not groaning in being irritated with other people, even though that probably was an influence but a groaning in spirit. What is God wanting to have done? Why am I here? What is my responsibility in this moment? What are the factors that God is trying to dispel or to highlight? All of those things were there, and they were all very weighty. So this moment was something that was very important to our Lord on behalf of His mission from the Father. And it says that he was troubled. And this is a very unique term because throughout the ancient Greek world, this word was used in a large part militarily, but in other factors as well. Militarily, it was if you have a battle plan, if you have an alignment of your troops, are they all coordinated? Or is one side getting ahead? Is another side wanting to run away in fear? Is there a trepidation within the line? And, you know, if you have a business and you put everything in line and you think, okay, this is the way it has to be, and you start seeing your, 
your agenda begin to waffle a little bit. You think, uh-oh, wait a second. You may not say this to people, but you, you recognize as one who is coordinating that thing, are things awry here? Look at this. I'm not real confident for the success of this. This isn't working right. And this term for troubling here indicates that. We've all been there. We've all faced those kinds of things before. And so here is the Lord. He knows the feeling of wanting to fulfill what God had orchestrated this whole event to accomplish. Not just for Lazarus. That was a done deal. If it was just calling forth somebody from the dead, Jesus had that power and that authority. But, you know, what's easier? Raising somebody from the dead or getting all these people with their wacky ideas and their concerns and their fears and their confusion, getting that in line. Well, the jury is out on that one. I mean, uh, you know, it would have been an easy thing as it was. Lazarus, come forth. Boom, it's done. But what about all these people? What about the alignment? What about what God is wanting to do in them? What about what God is wanting to teach them and train them in their faith? That is a big miracle. So you have Jesus troubled by the scenario, not worried about it, not in fear, not in insecurity, but recognizing that all of these factors are here. And, and before the Father, in my spirit, I have, an, a, I have a responsibility. So I have a responsibility according to what God has ordained me to be in this time frame. But all of these factors are here and I watch them all, and I'm hearing from them all, and I'm sensing the expectations, the failures, the fears, the confusion, the questioning, all of these things. That's the alignment. And within all of it is this sense, God the Father has orchestrated this moment, and He wants to do something wonderful. Yes, the grand slam of this whole story that most people know is Lazarus come forth. But the bigger miracle is all of these groups and them witnessing and learning from what God wants to do in developing their life and their calling in God. And so as we come before this table of communion today, these factors, these two main factors are evident in your life, in every one of our lives. God has an identity for you. You're not here just to blow around in the wind. We have a time on this earth, and we are important to God. He sent His Son so that we might be redeemed back to Him, so that we too might do the will of the Father. What has God ordained you to be? And that's a question that each of us have to answer. That's a question that each of us have to say, God you know, whatever age I am right now, whatever scenario I'm in in life, am I fulfilling what you called me to be? You say, well, Pastor, I don't know what that is. You know, I was this 10 years ago, and now I'm this now. I'm like a leaf in the wind. Maybe you feel confusion in your life right now. I can tell you one way you can discover how to identify what God has called you to be. Nobody in this place will ever arrive at that until you spend time with him daily. Praying, waiting on him, studying his word, being willing to obey. You know, you take it's a walk of faith. 
You take steps. You do that much, and then listen to what God will say. If he doesn't, if you don't clear, clearly understand something in the first day, don't give up. Keep developing that relationship. And before you know it, you'll, you'll begin to gain a sense of direction. And through that sense of direction and obedience, you will begin to fulfill what God put you on this earth to do. So nobody can just prophesy and tell you and then boom. I mean, no, we don't do it, that in life, do we? You make a big decision about who is going to be your husband or wife, those of you who are married. Does somebody come and say, thus says the Lord, Tammy, you're going to marry this guy? Or was that a relationship that developed? And you knew this is what God wants. Relationship with God is what directs our lives. It's not just somebody telling you what to do or moving with the crowd. Every one of you has an identity. And perhaps in your spirit, you've been groaning in these past days. And you've been saying, God, I know there's a work you want for me to do. I know that there's something that you put me on this earth to do. It's up to you to come before the Lord and wait upon him to fulfill that. There may be a lot of factors that are competing for your attention right now. You want to talk troubling? We all have a long list of them. Some of you more pronounced at this point than at other times in your life. But there are always going to be factors that will compete with what God put you on this earth to do. And you will sense this crying out loud. And then when you get that settled, this happens. And you think, well, once I get everything in alignment, then I'll be able to serve the Lord. Guess what? You'll never get everything in alignment. You'd mark that down right now. I mean, if you're waiting for everything to be peachy keeny and your pathway to be littered with rose petals and you to have more money than Bill Gates and Elon Musk together, then you'll serve the Lord. Well, you're going to be waiting a long time for that. Even the most wealthy person on this earth gets up in the morning and they have troubles. There are things that are irritating to them. It's just part of life, isn't it? It's just part of life. Now, that doesn't mean you need to let those troubles control you. That doesn't mean you have to give place to anger or to give place to some controlled substance or to strike out in violence or to do any other number of things. But it's not whether you face challenges. It's how you deal with them. And the way you deal with them is to keep your heart focused on what God that God has a calling for your life. Keep your focus on that purpose. There's so many illustrations of this in Scripture. What about when the disciples were in the boat and the storm was raging and Jesus is walking on the water toward them? The storm's still raging. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, beckon to me and I'll walk on this water. As long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked on the water. When he started looking at the troubling of the wind and the waves and probably the shouts of the guys behind him, he sunk. Keep your eyes focused on what God has put you here to do and in your confidence in the fact that there's, your life is not an accident, no matter what's going on. And it's been said so many quotations, great quotations over the years. It's not whether you fall, but it's whether you get back up and you keep moving forward. So a groaning in the spirit in this climactic moment 
very near to the time where Jesus would spend time with his disciples at the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, and then he faced the cross. Uh, you know, Jesus has a, a really unique moment. I mean, and, and he does these unprecedented things, deliberately waiting, deliberately waiting, so that accentuated would be the scenario for Mary and Martha, for the disciples, and for all the others that are there, not to, not to mention the fact that he had to be around all of them. And they had to trust him. And a lot of them weren't doing a very good job at that. And so you, we've got these factors. What is the identity of the Lord in us? Will we manage that? Will we exert ourselves in all of our efforts so that that will be done? You know, when you groan, when you're brought to groaning, forget about any spiritual language application here. You know, if you're, if you're trying to lift something that is heavier than, than what you're used to, you may make some sounds that sound a little bit like groaning, wouldn't you? You know, the other day I was trying to lift something that probably 30 years ago it would have been easy. For me now, it was a little bit of a test. And I, I know that I didn't even try to do it. I didn't go to some Taekwondo class to recognize, you know, if I just shout right now, you know, it'll give me more strength. It'll be like Shazam, you know. And it wasn't that way. It just, just kind of came out. Oh, I kind of made it. If, you, if you're going to groan, that means you're exerting yourself. You're, you're, you're going to exert yourself. And we've all faced that. This was a groaning in spirit. This was about what his identity was before the Father and what the mission of the Father was. And there was a troubling. All of these factors were there in the presence of what God had orchestrated that moment to do. We all face these times. Maybe you're facing that right now. Now, you know, it's interesting, too, that then this verse that I mentioned, Jesus wept. He wasn't boohooing. I mean, there, there were two types of expressions in the Greek language for times when Jesus wept. The, the other most prominent one was when he was approaching Jerusalem. He looked out over and he wept. That was a louder weeping. It was, a, it was an expression over the whole city that, that were accompanied by Jerusalem. How often would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks and you disobeyed the prophets and you really turned yourself away from what God tried to do in you. That was an open point of, of, of weeping. This was a more subtle, more quiet one. And I, I don't even know that that he, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know that his emotions would have uh, indicated that this was happening. We've had those times too. I, I mentioned yesterday um, a time when uh, I went to the hospital. You saw the little boy over there that was crawling all over us. The day he was born, you know, I went to visit, uh, although the next day I went to visit my daughter and the little one and it was just the three of us in the room and when I leaned over to pick him up uh, I was just holding him 
And I didn't even realize that tears were going down my face. I wasn't, oh, 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 finally a grandson. You know, it wasn't any of that. It just happened. And, and this was a more subtle, more um, expression where there was weeping. And, of course, the mourners were quick to pick it out. Oh, look how much you loved him because that, that quick, turn to number 33. We'll start singing that one. You know, that wasn't it. There was, there was some measure of a completion that was about to be fulfilled. Have you ever had that when you've gone through something and you may not see all the, 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 the fulfillment ramifications, but you know you've completed what you've done? There's such a sense of relief that that episode has finally come to a conclusion. <sighs> that was the weeping of the Lord. For whatever reason, whatever that test, whatever that troubling... Whatever that was designed to do, whether it was successful in people's lives or not, had now come to the end. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. He knew that there was going to be great rejoicing. He knew that these sisters, these two precious women that were part of his inner circle that he loved, were going to be rejoicing. We knew, he knew that Lazarus was going to have quite a story to tell. He knew that his disciples were going to say, well, boy, we should have trusted him. He wasn't he wasn't doing what we, Lord, you're delaying. What's wrong with you? Do you even know what you're saying? All of a sudden, they're going to be silent. Boy, there's a rejoicing sometimes in causing people to be silent. Should have had some aim. Not any of you, but I, I'm sure that, you know, have you ever done that before where you've gone, gone out on a limb and you say, just trust me? And then when it works out, you, you don't say, see, I told you. Some of you might do that. But there's a relief. When it finally works out, when a plan comes together, you may not be patting yourself on the back, but there's just an inner relief. I wonder if that's not something that the Lord has brought us to this point to consider in our lives. Maybe for some of you, that point of breakthrough is right ahead. The fulfillment of all of the things that that troubling line has uh, been indicating in front of you something that you know is, is uh, an agenda that God has brought into your life. You didn't ask for it, but it's got to be fulfilled. When it's coming together, finally, there's a relief. And the question is, did you learn anything from it? But the bigger question is, is did I do everything that I was supposed to do to fulfill what God expected of me at that moment? Jesus groaned in spirit and experienced a troubling. Not a troubling of fear. Not a troubling of anxiety. Not a troubling of even irritation, although I'm sure that there were a lot of factors there that could have prompted that. But a troubling of everything brought to a head. Everything in alignment that was surrounding that purpose of God for that moment. What is it in your life today? What is it in our life today? What is it that we can say personally and on behalf of our combined agenda before the Father for the, for the nations? Uh, what is it that might be opposing that? What is it that might be standing mocking that? What is it that even from within you might be thinking, man, this is really hard and it's pressing on me. Uh, what is it that might be causing you to doubt the words that you know God said? Because Jesus had already said 
This sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God. Do you believe that, or do you believe what your eyes are seeing and what everybody else is seeing and what everybody else may even be singing about at the moment? Whose report will you believe? And that's the question for all of us today. The good news is God is in control. No matter what you're facing, no matter what we're facing, He didn't bring us this far to cause us to fail. He didn't bring you this far to cause you to be defeated. He didn't bring you to this point for His Word to not be true. I don't know what you might be facing, but I do know this. Every one of you has a unique place in God and He loves you very much, and there's, there's a, a purpose that He has for your life. And so, as we are going to be coming before this table of communion, as uh, the worship team is going to be ministering here in a moment, we remember that this table that we are celebrating and uh, receiving from today was not very many days, <laughs> uh, not too many more days ahead of this event right here. And the Lord obviously knew that this was coming. And he said that when you come and you take of this cup and of this bread, remember me. It's unique that that term, me, doesn't just mean him as an individual. You can look it up. It means what he has brought forward, what he has taught, what he has represented, and what he has divested to you. And I wonder, as we come today, <laughs> and we're, we're going to be remembering him, will we remember what happened just a few days before this table? What was he troubled in? And what was his spirit groaning about? Because those are factors that all of us face. And these are factors that so many of you may be facing in some way or another right now. Well, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for the sacrifice that he offered at the cross. I thank you for his faithfulness to your mission. I thank you for his resurrection. And I thank you that even now he is at the right hand of our Father in heaven, praying for us to fulfill the will of God. I ask you, Father, that as this worship ascends before your throne and then we come before this table that you're going to do something very special in the lives of every person here. I pray that you will fulfill what you brought us to this place to do today. And I thank you for it, Father. Bless now our time of worship before you and this time of commune. And may you be blessed by our response. We thank you for it, Father. And Lord, whatever it is that your people are going through right now, whatever it is that we may be facing Whatever it is that may be uh, uh, coming into our life, 
I thank you, Father, that your spirit is going to cause us to be an overcomer through you. And I ask that each of us will fulfill the will of our Father in these days ahead. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. try to distract us away from that identity. We present ourselves to you wholly and completely. And we say, Lord, we will not allow anything to pull us aside, to distract us from what you've called us to do and to be. We state that now. Father, we will be vigilant. We won't allow anything to steal away what it is you are, the great calling that you have on our lives, Lord. With that in our hearts and our spirits, please come down and receive bread and the wine and go to a place to seek the Lord and just continue to present yourself before him in that way and worship once you're ready come on down 